Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And indeed, welcome to the full edition of Judd's Hockey Show. We did an emergency one-timer on Wednesday as uh, the news came out that Zach Parisi was scratched for overstaying his welcome on a shift in Monday night's game, so he did not play in the Wilds loss to the Vegas Golden Knights Wednesday night. Uh, and Dex, there is plenty to get to, including your um, your analysis on even strength goals, which I am curious to hear, and a whole conversation about how the Wild dropped back-to-back games against the Golden Knights. But I want to put a bow on this Parisi discussion, because when we talked mm-hmm. yesterday, we, we were working off Everson's quotes about the decision to scratch Zach at that time. Yep. And as we were recording, Zach Parisi did a Zoom with the media to talk about the decision to have him scratched. And if you don't know, the situation is this. Late Monday night's game, wild up by one, Vegas goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury pulled. Um, Parisi's line on the ice, puck goes into the neutral zone. Parisi's line mate, Marcus Foligno, gets the puck and gets it deep into the Golden Knights zone. Parisi, unlike Foligno, decides to stay on the ice. A minute and 33 shift, and I believe he's 36, completely gassed. Um, game tying goal is subsequent, subsequently scored in part by the fact that Zach couldn't break up a pass that he had an opportunity to. So let's play this. Let's play the soundbite right now of Zach Parisi being asked about being scratched before yesterday's game. Well, it was disappointing, um, and and I don't I don't agree with the decision. Um, you know, um, you in, in my heart, I felt like I was doing the right thing. Um, you know, I asked Marcus. I asked Marcus after the second if he ever had a hat trick. And um, he had had two up to that point, two two goals at that point. I said, "Have you ever got a hat trick?" He said, "No." So I said, "All right, let's go get you one." And then when they pulled the goalie, um, we were on the bench, and I said to him, "Like if you know, if I get the puck, get up ice with me. I'm I'm not going to shoot. I'm going to find you." And we were out there for a little bit, um, and Marcus had a little break, um, and I made the decision to try to join him to help him. They end up getting the puck, um, and. I saw him. I saw him change on the back check, and I didn't think it would be a good idea for me to change too. So I stayed out there. Uh, Lots of thoughts. Ah, God. Let's get to this. Okay. Number one, let's assume that Zach is telling the entire truth, like in his mind. Okay, this was it. Fully, you know, I had two goals. 
He wanted him to get a third because that's his line mate, his buddy. Yep. Guy, the guy works hard. Both mm-hmm. of them work hard. Oh, sure. And um, let's just assume that, that Parisi is 100% not basically going back and and that we are not getting what in his mind is revisionist history here, okay? What he said still has to bother you, Declan Goff, based on this. The Wild had a chance to get two points, okay? Marcus Foligno getting a hat trick did not matter one bit. In fact, it didn't, I don't think, matter to Marcus Foligno. No. Who got the puck deep in Vegas's end and uh, hightailed it off the ice immediately while Zach stayed on, okay? But is, is what Zach said, and I understand that he was saying that he was trying to do it for a teammate, but this is, as we talked about on the one-timer yesterday on, on Wednesday, Dex, this is the old wild way, right? Like, let's get you a hat trick. Let's get our, let's, me, me, me. What can you do for me? What can I do for you? What can, but it doesn't matter. What's the one that, you know, hockey, Dex, more than any other sport. It's cliched. It's boring. But it's largely true. Is about what? The team, right? Yes. It's never about I. It's not about, did you get a hat trick? It's about, did we get two points? And Parisi's move gave up two points. And I'm going to tell you right now. One, I appreciate him talking. Because a lot of guys would not have. So I appreciate the fact that Zach did the call and talked about it. That being said, I don't think he helped himself one bit. No. How do you not just get up there and say, you know what? I'm disappointed and I screwed up. This is on me. What, Whatever reason that he had for doing what he did, you got to fall on the sword if you're Zach and say, I was wrong. Dean is right. I'm going to come back next game and work my ass off. But I'll tell you what, I made a mistake. Not here's my justification, which, by the way, I don't fully buy because Felino is the one that made the play with the puck. So it's not like Zach was trying to feed Marcus. Yeah. So I'm not even buying. But how do you not just say, I goofed up. I was talked to. I should know better. We lost two points because of me. And I'm going to make amends. Yeah, it wasn't the fact that he came up and said I'm I'm unhappy with it. Like I I I appreciate that he said that, and I like too that I or I wish he would have just came up and just said, yeah, I'm pissed off. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I'm gonna come back better. I want to use this as motivation. I want to I want to be better for this. And instead, he goes on the spiel of why he wanted to give a bottom six forward and a teammate who doesn't give a rip about getting a hat trick or his third career hat trick, whatever the hell it was was it was going to be. That doesn't matter, Zach. Like you're playing the best team in the NHL or maybe in your conference and in the NHL, and you have a chance to get two points in a, a building that's hard to win at. You're going against a, one of the deepest teams, one of the best goalies in the league. You have a chance for two points. I don't care if it was Kaprizov looking for his first hat trick. The goal is to get the win. And like, get out of your mind. And this goes beyond two with hockey fans. Well, they deserve something. You didn't deserve. You don't deserve bleep, dude. That's you don't a big deserve bleep. That's a big hockey. You thing. don't deserve bleep in hockey right now. You don't. You did you win the game? Right. Did you win the game? The Wild deserved to beat Jake Allen and the Blues. They did. And guess what? You had you had four chances to do it and you lost in five. So like what what, what are we really deserving here? What are you really deserving of if you get blanked by Jake Allen and your former head coach? If you if or if Marcus Felino wants a hat trick in game nineteen of a shortened season. That doesn't matter, Zach. 
wear this? Do you just wear it and understand that you're unhappy? And if you want out of here, if you if you are you were almost he was almost traded a year ago this time. If you truly want out, let us know now and we'll do what it takes to try to get you out we'll and try. get us the best return possible. No guarantees though. Right. Like you're still signed to this contract. Yep. But why wouldn't you just understand I mean, the thing that I appreciate about Bill Guerin and Dean Everson is this. It's very simple. I appreciate the fact they're working their butts off to change the dynamics here. So if you're Zach, why wouldn't you just say, okay, I was wrong. I don't like it, but I was wrong. But clearly things have changed. The two things is, one, Zach has, as far as I'm concerned now, mm-hmm. no real control of that room. It used to be him and, and Suter and Koivu, right? Um, but he's a third-line guy now. The other thing, too, is the reality. In the Wilds' 5-1 loss on Wednesday night to the Golden Knights, is if Parisi had played, it wouldn't have helped. Right. He's not fast enough. He's a third-line guy now. He's. I mean, So why wouldn't you just address it like a third-line guy? I'm right. a veteran. I goofed up. But yep. I'm certainly not a star anymore because he's not. No. You know? He is a he is a third line guy. That's what he deserves. That's his role in life now. And if he wants to, to keep playing, the contract is a sunk cost. Um, but he's not he's not going to the Pittsburgh Penguins and stepping into a a uh, left wing job alongside Sidney Crosby. Like there's nothing else left here. This is just him. But I was really disappointed because I thought that he had a great opportunity to basically say, "Hey, things have changed here, and I've got to get with the program." Or Something along those lines. Yeah. And instead, we sort of got this, here's what I was doing you don't understand. Yeah. Huh? It's tone deaf. And mov- it's very tone deaf. It is. And moving him is not a simple task. Nope. It's like, this is this is high water. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a, a easy, okay, we'll trade him to um, Team X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It's a pandemic. The contract is huge. And it, it would just be best off. If he would say, I am now a third-line guy, I get that. Too bad for me. Exactly. Um, okay. These two games. Yep. Uh, 5-4 OT loss on Monday in what I consider to be a fantastic game mm-hmm. in which, as we discussed, the Wild was up by two goals late in that game and blew it. And then a 5-1 loss on Wednesday that was closer than 5-1, included an empty net goal, and the Golden Knights ran away at the end of that game. But it was definitely a closer game than that. Um, And again, was, I thought, a lot of fun to watch. I tweeted this out last night, Dex, and hell hath no fury like wild fans scorned. But I'm going to say it now because I almost, I don't know how much clearer I could have written this, and I feel like it was misinterpreted. One, I thoroughly enjoyed both games as a hockey fan. Like, I thought it was fun. And what I tweeted out was, it's a lot of fun to see the Wild play a string of games against a team like the Golden Knights than the Sharks or the Ducks because they can beat up on those teams, but we don't learn a lot about the Wild. When they play the Golden Knights, I'm not saying that they have no chance. They certainly do. But when they play the Golden Knights or if they play the Avs, who they've beaten, right, or they play the Blues, we get to know a little bit more about what this team is, where it's going, and, and how good or bad they might be. That tweet was taken somehow to mean I hate the Wild and I think they suck. I don't understand what people thought. But I'll say it again. I love being able to watch the Wild 
who, by the way, speed-wise, not across the board completely, but they have guys now that can keep up, which, hallelujah, it's about time. Yeah, it's nice. Though the, the last two games have given us an idea of how they match up, and in some cases, the answer is pretty damn well against good teams. To me, there's no downside there. There's no, and if you, if, and if your point is, oh, I'd rather go play the, the, um, coyotes who aren't terrible, but they're not great, but the ducks stink and the sharks stink. If you just want to try and go pick up points against them, I, that's not my cup of tea, man. That you're, you're never going to get to a playoff championship caliber team by beating up on those dregs. I don't know how people interpreted my tweet, but I was ecstatic in watching those two games to at least, Formulate an opinion of where the Minnesota Wild is right now. You can look at those two games and say that, yes, the Wild are on the up on the up and up. They've made some hay against the Sharks and the Ducks, and they've handled things against the Kings, who are better than we thought. Great. They've split with Colorado. Things have looked well there, but Vegas is probably the cream and crap of, of this division, maybe in the entire NHL. How are you going to perform against Vegas? And on Monday... After a sluggish first period, you come out in the second and you play one of the best periods of, all, of, of the season so far. Vegas also played horrendously. Vegas, I've been, as I've, you know, I have been strictly watching opposing broadcasts throughout this season with Fox Sports North not being available to me locally. You've been enjoying it immensely, And too. I have been enjoying it immensely. I get eight tweets a night or texts a night from you. On I love it that the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast is not afraid to rip their own team. I love that they, they said after Monday's game, that was the worst period that they have played all season. Mm-hmm. If the Wild allowed four goals in the second period and the flip was and the script was flipped, it would be, well, it was just some bad luck and they'll go out and they'll try hard again and this, this and that. No, I appreciate honesty in a broadcast. And look, they're team employees. It's a hard line to walk. I understand that. But I love the brutal honesty. So in that, in that, back to the Monday game, though, you, you, you get off to a, a bad start, you rebound in the second, things are in cruise control, and then you go in prevent defense mode in the third period. And you just say, we're going to play prevent D. We're going to play prevent D with the team that is deep and has the speed and the skill that if you do that, like, you might win sometimes, but the majority of the times you're going to lose in those situations. And that's exactly what happened. I think, what, three shots on goal? Eventually, they get they make it a one goal game. Yeah. Alex Tuck sticking a heart into uh, sticking a dagger into my heart and into the heart of of Wild fans' hearts because um, he's blossoming into a, a phenomenal oh, he's player. He's blossoming into a very nice player. That he's blossoming, a power, yeah, power forward. He's a power forward. He's current. He's, he's what Charlie Coyle was supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah, I, you're right. So 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 on Monday, then the Prezi situation happens and you lose in overtime. All right, you get a point, but man, that that is a for lack of a better word, a kick in the kick in the below the groin. Yeah, you're right. Uh, to get not get two, two points. points because there you had two a two goal lead with ten minutes to go and you blew it. Yep. Um, and then on Wednesday, so you come back out again, kind of spotty. You disappear for a while. You, you got show off to up a, for a while. You got off to a bad start in mm-hmm. the first period and you disappeared for a large portion of the second period. Correct. And that and by the way, that was not a time either time when Mark Andre Fleury was playing great. He had a great game. He did, but. <clears throat> If you elect not to see that this team played really poorly for a large portion of the first period and was a no-show for a portion of the second, you did not watch the Wild game. For sure. And look, 
a lot of wild fans, and I, I use this site as well, High Natural Stat Trick, I think is a phenomenal website. NHL.com has also re-upped their stats page. It's, it, you, can, you can have insane splits that you can find. Hockey reference, same thing. Whatever, whatever is your poison that you like to use, go and use it. I'm not going to fault you for, the, for, for that. But there is something to be said that when you generate high-danger chances, which the Wild have been able to do this season, they, they still lead the league in high-danger chances created. They still lead the league in that department. They've been very, very good in that department. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Montreal's one ahead of them, but but they're no, they're, but they're very good. They're very good nope. at creating high danger chances. They are. But as a team, the Wild are league average at scoring goals, and that's not a coincidence. No, it's not. The, the 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 here's the thing: Kaprizov and Fiala are dynamite, but they can't all do it themselves. When Nick Benino, who was atrocious on Wednesday, I would scratch immediately for Friday's game. I really would. If Marcus Johansson was on this trip, I would scratch Nick Benino. In a second, he played horribly on Wednesday. In a bad game. But it's not a coincidence that you're generating a lot of high danger chances and you're not converting them at the rate or scoring at the rate that you should be to match those high danger situations. And also, when you run into a buzzsaw like Mark Andre Fleury, who probably is right up there with Bezilevsky for the Vesna candidacy, I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is second in high danger save percentage. He's good at at stopping high danger situations. And he made his, some unbelievable saves last night in those Spur, is, that Spurgeon save. I think late first period was phenomenal. Right, and is that is that yeah. sustainable for Flurry to continue to, uh, to to slap all those pucks at such a high rate at a high danger save percentage? Probably not. They're he's stopping eighty five percent of a save percentage. And the Wild, by the way, in high danger situations allowed, are third to worst. The Sharks and the Canucks are the only teams worse in preventing high danger goals. So that. That's not a coincidence. What you have to use with these analytics is use them and supplement them with your eye test. I'm not going to be the person that's, that's going to say, get off my lawn with these fake numbers and these numbers that no one understands because these numbers have value. But when you start going all in 100% and using it as the crutch to why you lost, that's an issue. And the other issue, and on my soapbox here, the other issue is, if you're going to say that, well, look at the data. The data said they should have won. But then you're using judgment as, well, the referees cost them the game. You clearly aren't watching the same thing everyone else is watching. You're picking and choosing what you want to believe. And at the end of the day, in the two games against Vegas, you got one point. I don't care if you tried hard. Great, you tried hard. You yeah. came away with one point and ran. Very good. And, and the referees did not screw you. They might not have helped you. But if you have to blame them... Then just stop. Oh. Uh, so, so you just went down. Oh, you just went down a path that I think we should explore here, because it does combine. It does exactly what you're talking about. Let's combine the eye test. Let's combine with what we've seen in the games with the numbers, okay? Because the surface level takeaway from last night's game is, if you're a fan, is this: Mark Andre Fleury played great. What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? Because it wasn't a five-one game. I mean, that was. The final score, but it didn't feel like that. It's not like they got blown out. Okay, One of the best goalies two of the last 10, 15 years. But I mean, you know, Mark Andre Fleury. Yep. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, you can't do that. Okay, that's the surface level takeaway, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Bores me, but it's fine. Okay, so here's where the conversation. Here's where we're going to combine the numbers and the facts and get at this question. Instead of making short term excuses for losses, 
Let's look for the long-term reason why you lost and why you're destined to repeat those defeats against these type of teams. Because, again, I can go play the Sharks by, by myself and win. That's a good point. These type of teams. These type of teams. Because these are the type of teams. And, by the way, we're not talking about 2021. I'm talking about when you're back in the Central Division next year. How do you beat the top teams then? How do you make a playoff run? Why doesn't the Wild make playoff runs? Um, I really like what they're doing, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not done yet. The roster construction is fluid. Certain guys are going to, as we talked about on the on the one time or yesterday, are going to be here for a year, and then they're going to be gone. Um, but let's get at the heart of the matter, and it's going to go back to a conversation that we have been having since the season started but it, but the um, the weakness was exploited more than ever when you play a team like the Golden Knights, who have great speed and you have good speed, but and you brought up two key players and one of them definitely in the last two games had this problem, Kaprizov, and they tried to switch this up, being on a line with Victor Rask. Okay, Victor Rask can get by if you're playing the Ducks. He can get by if you're playing the Sharks. And hell, he can get by if you're playing the Kings, who are better than I thought they would be, but they're certainly not a great team, all right? But Dex, let's combine the numbers and the facts with what we saw against the Golden Knights to get at the heart of the problem, and it's this. How are you going to consistently, because the Golden Knights at times playing their best last night would play keep away. It looked... It at times was very competitive and very good, and at times it looked like the JV against the varsity because when the Golden Knights are playing downhill and flying, you don't get the puck. And you can't have, if you want to win, you can't have Victor Rask trying to center Kaprizov. Like Kaprizov can do it by himself against the Kings, the Sharks, the Ducks, and probably the Coyotes, okay? Like he can take the puck from Rask and be like, screw it, I'm, I'm a one-man show. And he'll make a play. He will look like a hybrid center winger. But when you watch the type of team that the Golden Knights have and you see Victor Rask trying to center a line with Kaprizov or Fiala, it's unworkable. Yeah. And Bill Guerin knows that. But that that's what people need to look at. Like, don't just say, the referee screwed us and Marc-Andre Fleury was too good. That's the short-term takeaway. Okay. Stella saw that. <laughs> Sitting on the couch barking. She saw what? that. Marc-Andre Fleury's good. No, but how do you, why did you lose? Why did you not generate even more chances? And why does Kaprizov, when he's trying to be a one-man show Dex against a good team, it's really damn hard, even for him, because that team's really talented. So that was my most important, that's why I want the Wild to play good teams, because I can't judge that when they're playing these these developing or not good teams. I can judge it against the Golden Knights. And by the way, when, when you beat up on, on the Ducks and the Kings and, and the Sharks, or even I'll, I'll, I'll admit the Kings there because they're better than we thought, you should be taking points and you should be getting points in 70% of those games. And it's good. that That's literally them beating up on those teams is what's going to put them in the playoffs. That's the foundation of why you're getting in the playoffs. If you can go 500 against the Knights and the Avs, okay. That, that, that literally is the recipe for getting into the playoffs. But it's also a judge of you're, you're clearly not bottom feeders. You are an above average team. And right now that is where your ceiling is. You're an above average team and you're not there at the big boys of the Vegases of the world, um, of the Tampa Bays of the world. And you won't be able to see them. And that's, you know, you're only going to play these six, seven teams throughout the course of the 56 game regular season. 
So good, make hay against these bad teams, but also recognize that you you aren't on the level quite yet of of Vegas and Colorado even. You have to get there, and it's going to be a slow crawl. Now, the way they've been progressing this season, that's encouraging. That's a good thing that it looks like wild hockey, after being really stuck in the rut for the last two seasons, is trending back in the right direction, and Paul Fenton didn't ruin your favorite team, and Bill Guerin knew what he was able to do to supplement with the good roster. So, so those are all all good things. But it's also not a coincidence last night that Kirill Kaprizov plays 21 minutes and Victor Rask, his center, only plays 13. Because Victor Rask cannot keep up. Yep. And they he put Ek cannot with, keep up. And they, they put Eck with Kirill, I think, in the third period. Right. And so it, they switched that. But, but yeah, he can't keep. He's got no chance. Yes. Victor Rask has no chance. And I, I, I tweeted this last night. There, there are good things to take away from from this wild season as well. Right now you're you're scoring at 5 on 5 at a very high rate. I'll get into that in a little bit. That's a good thing. That's a good thing that you're able to score 5 on 5. You're generating those high danger chances. Also good. Your goaltending has drastically improved. All good things. Mm-hmm. Bad things. Your power play is so inept and is holding you back that I can't you can't fully buy into this high danger chances and your offense scoring 5 on 5 because you have scored 5 power play goals and 70 chances. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how that is even possible, but you have found a way to make that possible. That's a bad thing. And then, yeah, the frustrating thing is the high danger chances are there. The conversion rate is poor. It's average. And if you don't have a two top six center to make things easier for Kaprizov, it's going to make guys like Victor Rask have to play 14 minutes a night when he has no business being on the top line. It's a ticking time bomb down the middle of of the wild when it comes to their centers. They have forwards. Fiala and Kaprizov are great. Matt Zuccarello, I know the last two games against Vegas, was not as hot as he was out of the gate in those first seven games from the injury. That's a, I, I noticed him a little bit more yesterday. I think he's still going to be just fine. He's a lot better than he was a year ago in his first season with the Wild. Yep. But there are things here that are not sustainable and things that do need to be addressed. And that's where I think you have to go get a top six center. You just have to get it because it, it'll literally make the deck chairs and the Titanic at least be ordered in a nice way instead of waiting for the thing to break in half against the iceberg. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I guess my question is, are they going to do it for this year? I don't know. Uh-huh. But this is but this is why when you're gauging the wild playing against good teams, it helps you a lot to see that because I do feel like there's a, a, a complete false sense of security gain from playing bad teams where you're like, oh, perhaps it's going to be. Fun. No, it's not. And by the way, Marcus Johansson coming back is not going to help. <laughs> So, so as far as the gradual steps go here to get where you ultimately want to be, um, it's important to see that. Now, if you choose to address it by the trade d- deadline this year or not, I don't know. But at least you know when you're playing the upper echelon teams where you stand. Speaking of that, so I'm thinking about this, Dex. The reality for this team is probably the future, right? Like, they could certainly, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They could certainly make some noise and play well, but I don't think they have, I don't think they're at the point of a run yet. Like, I, I think that they're, I think they're progressing in the correct way. Uh, that being said, I would have personally, and I know that especially early in last night's game, he made some great saves, but after Cam Talbot gave up five goals in the game on Monday, they brought him back and played him because he is, in their mind, their top goaltender. They're trying to get him time, blah, blah, blah. As far as the future goes, though, Cam Talbot might be fine, but Capo has played well. 
And I would have liked to see a guy who's 8-4 and four with a 241 goals against and a 915 save percentage get the start last night. And I think we are very close. Considering the amount of games that you're going to play, and it's a ton. Like, this is not a, we're off for five days. Yeah. You're basically playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, I would like to see this fall into a rotation because Kapokagan and me has played well enough that he deserves that. And I, I'm beginning to think that there is a chance that he might be your goaltender of the future. And again, this is a perfect time to find out. And I, I have um, so I'm, I'm not slamming Cam. Yep. I'm saying Capo deserves starts. I, I'm not upset that Cam Talbot got the back to back. I think you bring up a good point that the tandem probably has to be in place here. And Dean is someone who I think is going to start playing a hot hand and into favorites. Here's the thing with Talbot. Um, he was brought here to be your number one guy. He had a two. He had two great games off the season. Then he gets hurt. Then he gets COVID. Hard to get back into a rhythm. Yep. And so far this season, I mean, he's been fine. I mean, his his, his peripheral say has a nine ten save percentage. His GA is a little high at two seven. But I think where I have trepidations is that even strength right now, he's he's not playable. Uh, he he's on the Devin Dubnik Alex Stalock plan last year, where his save percentage on even strength is eight ninety eight. And if, if you're you, only if, supposed to find good stats, going, dude. Yeah, no, I'm finding a bad one. What are you doing? Find a bad one here. I told you that's the man. Judd's hockey show. We're all power. Why are you finding this negative stats? This is why goaltending is so GD random. Save percentage is 898 on even strength, and at power play, it's 917. He's better against the power play than he is against even strength. Interesting. And the penalty kill for the Wilds decent. It's good. It's usually been perennially very, very good during the course of their franchises through court through coaches and players that have come through. But there's something to be said that Tam Talbot. Five on five isn't as great. And look, I'm not going to be get super goalie geeky with the terms of, well, his glove side is doing this. I, I'm I'm going there. So and, and our main, go ahead and, and go our there. main girl and former colleague Lindsey Brown is a lot better at doing that. I'm never going to pretend that I know what the hell the blocker or glove side oh, should be. I'm going to, despite my great street hockey and boot hockey apparel as as a goaltender. I'm not going to pretend to be an NHL one. You're not as good as I was, in dude. That I, regard, I was the Trediac of goaltending. In Tonka. And Capo, it's the opposite story. The dude is great on even strength and 925 save percentage, but his power play, he's he's getting worked. He's getting absolutely worked. It's interesting. So I think it's a split. I think it's probably going to go 55-45 in favor of Talbot down the stretch, mm-hmm. but it's a good sign that young Capo Kakinen, the reigning AHL goalie of the year, who people had trepidations about being a number one guy, and that's why they spent and they put gave three a three-year contract to Cam Talbot because they weren't ready to go all in on Capo, is looking like, no, this is a goalie that you probably can build around and keep for the long term, which is hard to find. It's hard to find sustained, which is why I'm intrigued by goaltending success. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, so Cam uh, gave up nine goals in the past two games uh, because the fifth goal by the Golden Knights last night was an empty net goal, and he gave up goals to Tuck Marsha Show, um, Mark Stone, who's just fantastic, oh, he's awesome, and Stevenson last night. If I'm not mistaken, three of those four go- four goals, and I'm about to go there, Declan Goff, went high glove side, okay? And the stone goal, Talbot was so cognizant of high glove side that if you go back and watch it, he pulls himself out of position a bit mm. to cover high glove side. Look at you. And Stone, who is an incredibly smart player and really good, beats him b- because he had pulled himself just ever so slightly out of position. Um, that's interesting to me. And that's a concern because Talbot's not a kid. And and this must be the book. I did not 
know this until last night, but this must be the book on him that he can be beat high glove side. Sure. Um, it's something to not ignore. And I would be curious if there are, if there are uh, st- uh, stats available on this, how often he gets beat there, if this is a recent trend, a long-time trend, or what. But um, if the book is out on you and you can be beat there, and Vegas was 1,000% gunning for that, that's a problem, and that's really a problem in the playoffs where, where there are no surprises, where your tendencies, strengths, weaknesses, Declan, are all known. So on Talbot, it does worry me a bit that if that's just the straight-up high-glove side, that if this team uh, does, and I think they will, get to the playoffs, yep. that's going to become a concern. And I don't know how easily, with a veteran guy especially, something like that can be rectified. For sure. And look, league average, the Wild are above league average in goaltending right now. That's a good sign, and that's what we wanted. We weren't asking them, we weren't asking Cam Talbot or Capo to put themselves in a Vesna candidacy, but can you be above league average? And right now, if you are bad at goaltending, if you're horrendous at goaltending, which is what the Wild were last season, Dubnik. you are going to be better. And my God, Devin Dubnik is absolutely cooked in San Jose, and I, I can't Biddington tried to attack him yeah, on Saturday that. night. I saw that. Poor Devin was standing right there, and they tossed wish. Bennington. I kind of wish he would have. He swung a stick at uh, Eric Carlson, and then he tried to attack Dubnik. It was a bunch of I crap. I've it. got a positive stat, okay? okay I come to one. you with a – because I told you, and you just went against the credo of Judd's Hockey Show, which is we always keep it positive here. I've got a positive stat because we've been asking for it, and it's be, it's happening, and I think it's time that we acknowledge it, okay? I have six games uh, sample sizes, so I have 18 games worth of – Sample size. I'm going to ignore the first two games because the Wild has played 20 on Krill Kaprizov, all right? First six games, or, or the first six-game sample here, 10 shots on goal, okay? Pretty low. Not shot attempts. I'm just giving you shots, all yeah. right? Like, I could get into shot attempts, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Next six games, same exact thing, 10 shots. I believe it was around this time that on this very show, <laughs> we said... Dude, you got to shoot more. Like, you can make plays. It's fantastic, and you're really good at that. That's the same thing. But your shot is – yes. And and then Kaprizov did a Zoom call a couple days ago and said, my dad – and I'm not sure if he, he was talking about his dad or sports dad. But anyway, <laughs> somebody had told him to shoot more. Um, the last six games, ending with last night's game in which um, Kirill had five shots on goal, 16 shots last six games. I, I give you a positive statistic. Yeah. Somebody got to him and said – you can really pass, and it's great. Yep. But I believe last night, I'm not criticizing him. I believe last night he made an incredible pass to Victor Rask. He did. And Victor Rask had... He had no idea what to do. And it's at least the second or third time this season when they've been playing together, Dex. Yeah, he is. That he has tried Whoa. to set up Rask, and Rask, it it damn near looks like I would. Yeah. Whoa, what, oh my what's God. this? What, what's this? The puck? <laughs> No, not the puck. Okay, your point on even strength goals. What's that? Okay. So the Wild were scoring a ton of even strength goals, and I wanted to see, does even strength goals equal long-term playoff success? So I went back to the last five seasons, looked at the leaders for the for an even strength scoring, five-on-five scoring over the last five seasons. So this year, right now, the team that leads the league in even strength five-on-five goals, Toronto Maple Leafs, pretty damn good, right? 18-4. and four. They Might are. be the cup favorites. Just swept three from the Oilers. Yep, cup favorites. Right now, the Wilder four, um, are eighth. 
They have scored 45-5 on goals. Keep in mind, though, Minnesota's only played 20 games, and some of these teams have played upwards of 25-26 games. Mm-hmm. So the goal rate is, is nearly on par, uh, just a little bit behind what uh, Toronto is doing. What about 2019-20, last season? Who led the league in even strength scoring? Oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. What did the Tampa Bay Lightning do last year? Won the Stanley Cup. Okay. What about the season before, 2018-19? Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup that year. Where did they finish even strength scoring? Third. Okay. 2017-18. Actually, I flipped that up. The Blues won in 2019, and St. Louis finished 13th in scoring. So they were outside the top 10, but still above league average in in 5-on-5 scoring. The next season, 27-18, that's when the Capitals uh, were able to win the Stanley Cup, and they were top five in even strength scoring. Now we go to 2016-17. First year under Bruce Boudreau. The team that led the league in even strength scoring that year, the Minnesota Wild. Really? Five on five. They scored 187 no even strength scoring goals. Interesting. Their power play was pretty damn decent. Mm-hmm. They were able to score power play goals that year. Yeah, I, I know. Pretty crazy concept to score power play goals, Minnesota Wild. It seems to be that even strength scoring does mostly relate to long-term playoff success. The problem is, if the Wilds' power play is only scoring 5 out of 70 chances, they're going to become a one-trick pony, and you're going to get exposed again, and you won't be able... Like You, you cannot convert 5 to 7% of your power play opportunities and expect to make a long-term playoff playoff success and a, and, and a Stanley Cup run. How do you agree with that? That might, be the, that might be my next exercise to do next week. What is the... Stanley Cup winners play a, a power play percentage. What's the worst ever power play of a team that won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, and that's a great question. I don't know. But but the even strength scoring usually does relate to something of success, but the 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 volatility, if you will, and there's a geeky word, where the Wilds power play being so inept and also you not converting the high danger chances at the rate you're creating them, yeah. I think says eh, there's some iffiness here. This isn't as legit as it sounds. Last point. Okay. It's 20 games in. So it's a pretty good, and they're, they're going to play 56. So we've got a pretty good base to make decisions, to make observations. Like, it's not 10 games in. It's not five games in. Um, The Wild in 20 games is 5 for 66 on the power play. That is 31st and dead last in the league. They're the only team in the league that is converting on a power play on the power play at less than 10%. As I said to you, they're at 7.6%. Again, it's 20 games. They have, with all due respect to the Panther, Kaprizov, Fiala, hmm. Ak, who I like, yep. right? Dumba, big shot Matt, Spurgeon. Spurgeon, no goals yet, but he can certainly generate offense and had late first period last night a magnificent scoring chance my point is Declan Goff across the board this is not a team that you would if I said okay Dex 20 games in who's the five for 66 team you might say it's the Ducks right yeah it it's the Ducks Ducks um it's the Senators Coyotes or it's the Red Red, Wings Wings. it's 20 games in Weighing what you do statistically, which is far more than I do, okay? Putting the whole stew together. What does this tell you? Because I feel like we can't dismiss it. Like, for a while there, I said, with all these players, they're just going to score goals. You think? Yeah. But they're now 5 for 66. So I can't, with a straight face, sit here and tell you, well, they're still going to score goals at some point. 
because we we are now well into the season. So when you put all of the ingredients in the pot that you know, what do you think? I mean, Yakaprisov and Fiala. So Fiala being more of a sniper than a playmaker, Kaprizov being a playmaker. Zuccarello can be a playmaker and has made hay on the power play in his career. That's another one, yeah. I missed you know, those are those are three forwards who should be competent on the power play. Dumas got a huge shot. Dumas got a shot. Spurgeon got, Spurgeon can play the power play pretty well. Yeah. Ryan Suter can. Um Yeah, and he's my last guy, but yeah, he can. He's, he he's he belongs on a power play unit. Yep, and he's on one. But after that, where do you really go? Like, look, Joel Erickson Eck is playing phenomenally five on five this year, and this is another Perfect. But is this about a center? Like, but, is this what? No, what what are we on. talking about? Here? Hold on. The, the the this is the perfect example again of my rant earlier of analytics and eye test. Uh-huh. Analytics say Joel Eriksson Ek has been unbelievable at creating goals this season. Does anything about Joel Eriksson Ek's game when you watch him with his eyes say that guy belongs on the power play because he knows what to do and he, he has a howitzer of a shot or he can set up other teammates? Does does his game translate to power play success? Does does, does it does it mean he should be good on the power play too? I don't. I don't see anything from like Joel It works hard, and he's been a he's been a, a blessing this season for the Wild. There's nothing about his game that says he deserves significant power play time. Okay. I, I'm at the point where that's so inept that he deserves some time right. because because something else. Anyone, honestly, anyone, Nico Sturm, someone step up on the power play. Yep. But nothing about Joel games with his eyes tells me that he deserves significant look on any power play unit. Take him off the wild and put him on another on another team. Would he fit in on that power play unit? Probably not. So it's probably your horses that you don't have enough depth to be standing on the power play and then also coaching. And that's where I, I, I'm not going to go down the path because I have no idea what's going to go into the point and the half wall and down low and all that hoopla. I stay away from that noise. But I, I have no idea how to fix the power play. And until you do, but they don't either. That's the scary thing. If, if, if but they've got the people that should be able to score. Like they, they, it can't be this bad. But it is. It is but it is. And they, I don't think there's an answer until the hockey random gods come back and start going in the wild. Or perhaps you get a different coach in here to co- to coach them at least. Or or the, I'm the, not the talking about a head coaching change. Yeah, I don't know. I got it. Adam Oates, anyone? Great. No, I know. Adam Oates could be brought in as a consultant again for my Parisian suitor. They could pay for him to help out. Literally the worst possible thing that could happen <laughs> for the while. All right. Judd's Hockey Show. We are done. Declan? Pass shoot score. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.